0: rose from the dead how shall say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there be no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen and if Christ be not risen then our preaching vain and your faith is also vain yea and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if it so be that the dead rise not for if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Let's pause for a word of prayer this morning, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the time that we have to just sing your praises this morning. We thank you, Lord, for uh, these testimonies of salvation, how, that, Lord, you uh, will reach out and you will save anyone that comes unto you. It doesn't matter our background, Lord. It doesn't matter what we've done the life that we've led lord your grace is available to all that would come in repentance and faith there's nothing that we can do to earn it lord you give it to those who come to you in faith and we thank you for that lord lord your grace has set us free and we thank you lord jesus and as we think about the resurrection this morning we pray that you would just uh, affirm these truths to us lord if we uh, know these and hold to these lord maybe challenge us in our thinking if we uh, doubt the resurrection this morning. Lord, help us to see that faith in the Lord Jesus is not simply blind faith. It's so much more. And we thank you again for who you are. And we thank you this morning that you are indeed risen. In your precious name, amen. An Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotchman are traveling along in a car one day and they're in a terrible accident. Uh, and I appreciate this could be me, William, and Alan. So I hope this isn't a word of prophecy. But they're traveling along in a, in, in a, in a car and they're in a terrible accident. And uh, the good news is that they recover. Nobody dies. But they're all in hospital together and they're lying in their hospital beds and they, they start to talk one with another and start to think about, you know, they're their, their brushed with death and they start to talk about their funerals. And the, and the chat begins, what uh, would you like people to say about you at your funeral? So the Scotchman says, well, I'd like people to come along and say, you know, uh, he was a good husband. And the Englishman says, well, I'd like people to know that I was a good good friend, and, and I'd like them to say that. You know, here lies a person that was a good friend. He did me right in this life. And they say to the Irishman, well, what, what about you? What, what, what's your feelings? What would you like people to say about you when they come to your coffin at your funeral? And he said, thought about it a little bit, and he said, do you know what? I'd probably like them to say, look... He's still moving. (laughs) Now, Jesus is more than moving. He's more than moving. He is resurrected. He is risen. And that is the pivotal part of the Christian faith. Everything hinges really upon the resurrection because if Jesus didn't rise, and that's what we've read in these verses this morning from the Apostle Paul, and he's saying it in this hyperbole type language, and he's saying this basic truth. truth. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, he wasn't who he said he was. And if he wasn't who he said he was, he wasn't God, he wasn't the Messiah, he wasn't the savior, and we all sit here this morning thinking that we're saved from our sins when actually we're still trapped in our sin. But the reality is and Paul goes on to teach that Christ did rise from the dead and he is who he said he is and we looked at this a few weeks ago didn't we christ is either liar lunatic or lord he can't be all three he can't just be a good person because then he was a liar. So is he a liar? But the things that he said that they happen, and we're gonna have a look at the resurrection, and I absolutely believe it then because there are evidences for the resurrection. You know, we come together for believers this morning, we say, if we get the cue right, we say, when I say he is risen, and I will cause people say he is risen indeed. Because we believe in the resurrection, but it's not a blind faith. And, and one of the things that people that, that are against God and believe that God doesn't exist, they'll, they'll come along and say, you know, Christians, they're, they're daft, they're stupid. It's one of the things that got leveled at me a lot. That, you know, I was believing in fairy tales and silly nonsense and some space monster in the sky and all this kind of nonsense. Like, like I'd blindly gone into it. Like I'd blindly decided to, to uh, leave the life that I had and, 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 and you know, the the, the the groups that I run about with and the the people that I run about with and dedicate my life to some fairy tale. And they used to say that, you know, uh, people would say that Christianity is a crutch. You ever heard that? It's a crutch for the weak-minded. No, 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 no. True Christianity is not a crutch for the weak-minded. Far from it. Because true Christianity costs something. It's a sacrifice. And it took me more courage To come out of the life I was in and turn to Christ, than it did to stay in that life. To turn around to people and say that I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not my life anymore, it's His, wasn't a crutch. It was a commitment to the risen Savior. And and my mind has never been clearer. I'm not thinking the way I thought before in this warped world, selfish way of thinking. The self-destruct mentality that I had—that live, you know, just for today. Because who cares? It doesn't matter. There is no purpose. Because that's what the atheistic worldview is—purposeless. Don't know where we came from. Don't know where we're going or why we're here. One big cosmic accident, which is the most nonsensical thing when you think through it logically. But regardless of that, you know, it's not a crutch. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, it, it's because I looked into things like the resurrection. And and many others have done it. I'm sure you've heard of Lee Strobel before, who wrote The Case for Christ. There's a movie of it. and It's worth watching. It's good. But his wife, she became a Christian in, in the late 70s. And uh, he was a, a, a reporter, I think chief editor, actually, the, the Chicago Tribune. And... You know, he was an investigative journalist. That's, that's what, it, what his trade was. And, of course, his wife gets saved, as often, often uh, happens. One partner in the marriage gets saved. And, uh, you know, the other partner tries to then disprove or bring them down. Or try and say what you believe is a, a nonsense. Or maybe even pay lip service. But in, in the heart of their own hearts, they think that what their partner or their friend is believing is an absolute nonsense and they've lost their mind. And Lee Strobel set about trying to disprove his wife's Christianity. And he thought it would be an easy thing to do. He thought literally it would only take him a couple of hours to look in to see what evidence was there for the resurrection. Because if he could disprove the resurrection, then he could pull out the, the, the card that held everything together in that house of cards. He could pull the foundation out and her faith would fall away and then she would come back to normal thinking. He thought he'd have the job done in two or three hours. Days later, he was still going through the evidence. And the more he looked, the more he saw that the resurrection couldn't be anything other than a supernatural event that took place that verified that Jesus was who he said he was. That all the evidence weighed up and stacked up pointed to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the difference maker release trouble and rather than pulling his way, his wife away from Christ when he examined the evidence honestly not with any other bias but sat down and looked at it openly he was drawn to the Lord because that's what happens folks when you honestly look and you're willing to put away the life that you've built and the, the identity that you've built because the identity that you have outside of Christ, I want to say this absolutely importantly, is not your true identity. You can only know your true identity in Christ. The person you are, if you're here and you're outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, is, is not you as God intended you to be. He wants so much better for you through His Son the Lord Jesus Christ. The struggle went on like many of us do. we look honestly and openly and we see and the God of all glory reveals Himself to us and we see that this is a world that has been ordered by God that design is by a designer it is absolutely everywhere I often laugh at the atheist who claims logic is their friend and then comes up with this equation nothing times nothing equals everything. And they say, we've lost our minds. <laughs> nothing times nothing equals everything. Oh, but you believe in an eternal God. That, that, that Where did God come from? Well, he's eternal. I am that I am. Well, I can't understand that. You bet you can't understand that because you're a human being in a created universe and God stands outside of that. And your explanation maybe this morning is nothing times nothing equals everything we see. I, we were outside, I think it was yesterday, and Alan, on the, on the windowpane, there was a little, what was it, Alan, a beetle? A shield, bug. a shield bug. On the, uh, anybody know what a shield bug is? Yeah? yeah? Okay, well, uh, did you get that from Alan? <laughs> or oh, did he, he get it from you? Okay. Well, I, I was looking at it, and it's called such because it's, it's an, an armoured little, little thing. And I, and I was looking at that going... What an amazing design that is. What an amazing design that is. And everybody in the world will look at that and go, that's pretty amazing. We will say that that's from an amazing designer. The atheists will come along and say, that's from an accident. And we've lost our minds. It doesn't make sense. So as believers, you know, if you look, the Lord will show. And one of the things that I would encourage you to look at, and for all of us, it's the resurrection. Because it can be evidence. Now, don't get me wrong. There has to be faith in this. That's the way God designed it. So that you're not just responding to the fact that God stands in front of you and you say, okay, now I believe you. He wants you to show a little faith in him. But it is evidence. There is, it's not just blind faith. There's evidence. And we're going to have a look at that uh, this morning. And, and this is the things that Lee, Lee Strobel looked at and he's saying, Here's the first E of evidence for the resurrection this morning. First slide, please, Paul. It's the empty tomb. It's the empty tomb. So we come to the empty tomb, just click on it with the left, uh, that's it. (laughs) There we go, there we go. So it's the empty tomb, it's the empty tomb. So the first thing, if we're, if we're talking about the resurrection, we have to come to the empty tomb. That's the first place that, that we go to. Now there are several theories that have been put out there to try and explain away why the tomb was found empty. What happened here? this great conspiracy. there's the swoon theory, and you'll learn about this, if you ever go to Bible college. And, and basically, this is, this is the, the theory that Christ did not actually die upon the cross, that he just fainted. And, and in his fainted state he was taken and he was put and then he, and then he, then he recovered and they got him out and they, they took him away. And Lee Strobel went to this. It was one of the first things he went to. And what he did was he went to medical experts and, and went through all the things that happened during the crucifixion. Went through what had happened when the, peer, uh, the, peer, the spear pierced his side and, and, and water and blood came out. And, and the medical doctor said that that is absolutely clearly a sign and an evidence of catastrophic heart failure. That, 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 that the person that, that, that distributes or displays those attributes is dead. They're not sleeping. Not like a Monty Python sketch, if you know the parrot. It is dead. <laughs> done. finished. There's also the hallucination theory. The, the, to explain away all the witnesses, and we'll have a look at this is that what was going on was a mass hallucination of all these people, all the disciples, all the people that seen the risen Christ. They appeared over 500 at one point. And the theory to try and deny that he was God risen again, as he said he would, was that everybody was just involved in one massive trance. It was a mass hallucination that everybody bought into it. Nonsense. Nonsense. The only theory that may hold a little weight if you want to try and have a a debate about this is the one that is given in the Bible. So turn with me to Matthew 28, verse 13. Because the swoon theory doesn't hold that he fainted. The hallucination theory is just a nonsense. Matthew 28 and verse 13. Well, actually, let's read from verse uh, 11. Matthew 28, verse 11. It says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city, showed the chief priests all the things that were done. This is after the resurrection. And when they were assembled... With the elders, they had taken counsel and gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole them away while we slept. So, this is the only theory that you could proffer, and it's the one given in Scripture. This is how uh, the religious establishment tried to cover it up. They tried to bribe to say that his disciples came and stole it away. So they tried to bribe the Romans and the Roman guards to say if anybody asked what had happened, that the disciples had came and they had stolen the body of Christ away. So I want you to note this. I want you to note this. This leaves no room for a hallucination theory or a swoon theory because the very religious establishment that wanted to quash this by their admission, they had to come up with the body was gone, is by its own facet a confession that Christ was indeed dead. And they had to cover it up. It's not like, oh, he he was alive. Because that would be an easier one, wouldn't it? He was never dead. Bribe the Roman soldiers, the people that that took him down from the cross to say that they felt a little pulse. There was a little breath there. Because that would have demolished everything. Straight away, it would have been easier, wouldn't it? They didn't say that, did they? No, they had to come up with something else, which by itself affirms that Christ was dead and he did rise again. But, but the theory that the disciples came and stole him away has several weaknesses. And when you look through it logically, you know, it's nigh on impossible. You know, if the, the Roman guards, and it's said in the account, you know, the, the, the Roman uh, guards, and, and there were many, fell asleep. So if they fell asleep, how did they know it was the disciples that stole the body? (laughs) They didn't. Uh, You know, getting past the Roman guard without waking or or making a noise or or rustling them um, would have been now impossible. And there's no way, there's no way the Romans, the trained soldiers would have let this happen. Because you have to understand that this whole rumour and thing that Jesus would indeed rise from the dead because that's what he had been saying. That's what he had been saying. That the Romans, who were masters in the political arena and would have had the intelligence from the Jewish community, because remember, they're holding them under their uh, uh, foot, they would have had an idea of what this man had said and what he was uh, predicting he would do. So I have no doubt they were an extra guard duty to make sure nothing funny happens. There's no doubt about it. And so you think about just getting past the Romans. Also, you've got to think about the, 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 the stone itself. Now, the way this was done was that the, the, the stone, which was a huge weight, and you can see like a good, pretty good representation of it there. If you ever go to Israel and you, you see the garden tomb, whether that's the location or not, uh, the Lord knows. But it's a good representation of, of what a tomb looked like. And, and what they would have had was like a little incline. And the, the, the flattened, heavy uh, stone, stone's a terrible word for it because it, it makes me think you can lift it, but it, it, it's not liftable by, by, uh, without specialist uh, strong men and, and ropes and all that sort of stuff but it would have been on an incline and what they would have had to do they had, they'd have it at the top of the incline and they'd have it ways and then the entrance to the tomb was there and when the body went in they'd remove the little uh, chalk is that, that, that what you call it, it? I only found out what chalks away actually meant not that long ago do you all know what chalks away is? do you know what chalks away is see I'll tell you later alright so the chalk was moved away and then the stone would have rolled down by gravity in, it, in its own weight To lift this and to move this was a serious task that required serious pre-planning. Not by a ragtag bunch of disciples who will find or in absolute disarray to organise this, to get past the crack Roman guards, to be able to, without noise and without fuss and without anybody uh, noticing, to get this stone rolled up and then get the body of Jesus Christ out, then get the stone rolled back down again and then get away and make their escape and then for uh, nobody to know any different. Now, impossible. Nigh impossible. So our first E of evidence is simply this, the empty tomb. Our second, the eyewitnesses. This is our second E of evidence. Because the eyewitnesses came and they beheld the empty tomb. And they didn't see who they expected to see at the tomb. And then others uh, came along and after they, they bore witness to Christ and he was seen by them. The Bible talks about these different encounters by James and John, Mary and others. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. Paul, and he's talking about the resurrection. Tells us that he was seen by over 500 people. These are eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. It's Not just one or two that have claimed to see him. Now in, in Judaism, a truth is held up in the face of two witnesses. But here Christ has many witnesses to his resurrection. And, uh, you know, like over 500 Oh, whoa. I've had a run with phones, haven't I, over the past couple of weeks? I'm right, going to get a little sign, Paul, you suggested that. Uh, so, over 500. And again, these, these records are early accounts, and we'll look at that in a little bit. But these are eyewitnesses of what's happened. We're lucky in the ancient world if we have two sources to confirm something that happened. With, with the uh, evidence of the resurrection from the eyewitness accounts, both inside and outside of, of Scripture, there are no fewer than nine separate sources that corroborate the resurrection. And in the ancient world, that is an absolute high level of eyewitness account. And I notice it said from inside the Bible and without. Because there are those that have no skin in the game. The evidence the resurrection from their eyewitness accounts. And you could go and look at them in your own time. And, and we'll, we'll move on to the next one because it ties in. Because you've got eyewitnesses, you've got early accounts. Um, so again, you know, the earliest writings can be dated back to the, the eyewitnesses. You'll not find that in any other religion. You'll not find it. Buddha lived in the 6th century BC. His scriptures weren't written to uh, the 1st century AD. Muhammad died 632 AD. His sayings were not written down for more than 100 years after that event. Unlike other religions, outside the Bible, there are many supporting uh, accounts that will support what has been written in Scripture. You know, in these early accounts, they disprove the legend theory. What do I mean by that? People will say it's just a legend, it's a myth. But legends and myths take Time—that's how they appear. That's why we call them legends and myths. Okay, so we have a baptism service here today. That won't become a legend or a myth tomorrow. It's an event because we're here. We're eyewitnesses to it. But maybe in a thousand years, if the Lord tarries and you know, we live in a world that's so secular that they never have baptisms anymore. They remember. I remember, I don't know whether this was myth or, or history or what. The legend is, back in Milton and Stoke-on-Trent, there was this mad Irish pastor, and he baptized people once upon a time. Legends take time. Time. But when you have eyewitness accounts, when you have early records, they're not legends. They're not myths. Because the time that is in there isn't long enough for something to become a myth. Because there are eyewitness accounts and witnesses to it so the early accounts uh, affirm that Jesus rose from the dead uh, rather than disprove it you can look in in Jewish uh, accounts you can look in the Talmud now again they have no interest in Christ being risen from the dead but you'll find in there the, the trial, the conviction the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ you know one of the stupidest things people will say is that Christ wasn't a real figure His evidence is everywhere. And like I said, those that don't have skin in the game, those that have no interest in rising from the grave, will verify uh, the accounts that happened. Josephus, the Jewish historian, if you look at him and his writings, again, writing for the Romans and writing for his his own people on records, had no interest in rising Christ from from the dead. He claimed that Jesus was a teacher. He he wrought miracles. He said that many Jews and Greeks followed Christ because of the miracles that he did. He uh, testifies that Jesus was uh, condemned under Pilate, that he was crucified, and after three days he appeared restored. This is from outside the Bible, from somebody that has no interest in Christ being the Messiah. And then he states that the followers uh, were called Christians after him. And there are many other sources. You know, this is just... A start of it, go and have a look at Lily Struggles, a case for Christ, honestly, and just take your time. You'll see it's evidence and it's evidence, and it all points to this great truth of the resurrection. But there's one finally that I want to deal with this morning, and this is the last one, and I think this is the strongest one. The early church. The early church. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, we have this bunch of disciples, those that have followed the Lord Jesus Christ for his his three and a half years of of earthly ministry. And then, you know, the Lord uh, is crucified upon a a cross. He's buried and then, you know, he's gone from the tomb. The disciples are in disarray. We find them all over the place when you read the uh, book of uh, Acts there. They're all over the place. Why? Because their leader's gone. The man who they thought was Messiah is gone, and it hasn't twigged just yet. All the things that he said and all the things that he taught towards the end, when the offer of the kingdom is rescinding from Israel, and he starts to teach about his death. And if you remember, when he starts to teach about it, Simon is absolutely out of his mind and says, "You know, get You know, you're, you're out of your mind, Christ. You can't die." You're Messiah. And Jesus says, get my high, me, Satan. Peter didn't know at that point. And the disciples are all over the place. They're all over the place. They're running. They're fleeing. We have people that knew Christ in his earthly life that rejected his claims as Messiah. Rejected them while he was alive. That they come to him in faith after he has been crucified. The early church that was in disarray. When they see Christ in his risen form. When they see the resurrected Christ. Suddenly they're empowered not to run, not to hide. But to go out into public and go out and stay and declare as Peter does. That Christ was indeed the Messiah. The early church that's persecuted. Is willing to die. On the basis on the basis that the Lord was risen. That was the basis for their faith. That was the basis for them giving their lives, that the Lord had indeed risen from the grave. And the, the thing you have to ask yourself, honestly ask yourself, is these were real people. They weren't stupid. They were real people. They were clever people. They were people that had uh, an idea of religion. They grew up in, in Judaism. They had other options. But when the risen Christ appeared to them, that changed things for them. And the man that they thought was just the man that had died upon the cross was confirmed to them as the risen Savior. And they did a U-turn. And his family, his earthly family, James, who denied him when he was alive, Accepts him after the resurrection. The disciples that are in disarray. That are running for their lives. After they witness Christ in the resurrection. Are willing to give their lives. Think about that with just the simplest bit of logic. Who would do that? Why would you deny him when it was easy. And accept him when it meant putting your life on the line. Many people will, 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 will live for something they, they know uh, to be true. They'll die for it, sorry. But if they find out that's a lie, there's no way they're willing to die for that. That's human nature. We think of ourselves above all. If, they, if Christ had not risen from the dead, not one of these disciples would have went and give their lives the way they did. And all of them bar John were martyred. Martyred. Some in horrific deaths. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't be want to be crucified the way his Lord was, because he didn't think he was worthy. What made the difference? The resurrection. The resurrection. There is no other explanation. The early church was persecuted. Many went to the, uh, the fires, went to uh, the, the death penalty, were hung, were thrown in with the lions, told and asked to recount their faith, and they never did. They went singing praises. Why? Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. So the early church is one of the greatest evidences for the resurrection. So, four evidences of the resurrection. There are many, many more we can look at. These are only a few points. If you want more, come and speak to a believer this morning. And they will give you more evidence of the resurrection. Because it's in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ that the believer stands. It's in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ that the believer can say, my life has changed. The Lord took me from the pits of depravity And he has changed my life. And I'm telling you now, it was nothing that I done. It was all him. It was all him. You want some more evidence for the resurrection? Talk to a believer. That will tell you all about the Lord Jesus Christ. So honestly, the question that we close on this morning is not simply, did the resurrection happen? Because I absolutely believe, and the evidence points to the fact that it did, it's not whether it did, it's what you think about it this morning. What does it mean to you? If you're a believer here, is that you're everything? Is everything in the Lord Jesus Christ for you? And because he rose from the dead to give you new life, are you living that new life? That should be the reminder for us this morning. And as we do the baptism, that's one of the things that we do. When we baptize them, we put them into the water, symbolic of, of death, burial, And resurrection, we bring them out of the water and we say to walk in newness of life. Because Christ has given a new life to you if you're here and you're a believer. But many of us just want to pick up the old life, the old clothes, go back to the old master. That's not what Christ saved you to be. That's not who Christ saved you to be. He conquered death and sin so that you might have new life. And walk in that fullness of life. That's the blessing of the believer. But if you're here this morning, you're not a believer, you, you know, you may just simply not accept the resurrection. And you know, that's your choice. God never forces Himself upon you. That's your choice, and He'll answer for your choice. You know, I've witnessed the many people that have, have, have gone so far and they've, they've gone through, yes, I can see the evidences for the resurrection, I can see all these things, but here's the problem. I just don't believe that a human being could be raised from the dead. It's just not natural. I had a dear man in our last church who was, who was married to a, a faithful uh, believer. And she passed away. And, and uh, her husband had been witnessed too many times. And he'd come to the, the church a lot of times. And he just couldn't get over it. He'd accept everything but the fact that a human being could be raised from the dead could not accept that he could not accept it but if you can't accept the resurrection you can't accept Jesus because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead he is not the Jesus he declared himself to be and the simple fact is folks the resurrection is not natural it's supernatural and only God could do it and praise be that he did it He did it for us so that we might know him and live in him and have newness of life. My greatest prayer is that each and every one that leaves this place today would walk and know the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. There's a judgment coming and only the resurrection will save you in that day. Let's pray.